We'll now turn to our Scripture reading for this morning. You'll find it in the Gospel according to John, John chapter 3, very familiar passage to all of us. John chapter 3, and we'll read verses 1 through 21, encounter that Jesus has here with this ruler and teacher of the Jews, Rabbi Nicodemus. John chapter 3, we'll read verse 1 through to the end of verse 21, and let us hear God's own word to us. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil." For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Amen. May God bless that reading of his word. Well, congregation, brothers and Sisters, I want to look with you this morning as I intimated at the encounter Jesus has here in John chapter 3 
with this man Nicodemus. And we'll see that this was a teaching encounter. It was an encounter in which Jesus wanted to teach Nicodemus something which was vitally important for him to know. Indeed, it's something which is vitally important for all of us to know and understand, namely that in order for anyone to see and enter the kingdom of God, they must be born again. And so I want to look with you this morning then at this vitally important passage of Scripture, what it does teach us about the new birth. And there are three things that I want to draw your attention to this morning as we look at this well-known passage together. Firstly, the must of the new birth. Secondly, the meaning of the new birth. And then finally, the manner of the new birth. Well, let us look first of all then at the must of the new birth, for that is obviously what Jesus is stressing here, emphasizing in this encounter with Nicodemus. He says to him in verse 3, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he follows up Nicodemus's questions in verses 4 with the same sentiment that unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then in verse 7, he says to Nicodemus, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And friends, surely it should be evident at the very outset when Jesus says that we must in regard to anything. It is in our own interest to sit up and listen to whatever it is that He is drawing our attention to. This is evidently not something that we can afford to, to ignore. It's not something that we can choose to be indifferent about. Because you see, whatever it means to be born again, Jesus is clearly presenting this here as something that must take place in the experience of every individual if they are ever to see or enter the kingdom of God. And of course, that means then that the teaching of Jesus here, it's something that concerns you and me also. This is obviously something that all of us here, from the very youngest to the oldest, we need to give our undivided attention to. For when Jesus says to Nicodemus and to all of us through him, you must be born again. He is saying in the one certain terms that this is not something optional. This is not something we can possibly afford to do without. Because you see, Jesus is saying, if we come short of this, if we fail to grasp the necessity of experiencing this, we will find ourselves forever shut out from the kingdom of God. Because as Jesus says in verses 3 and 5, unless this takes place, unless a person is born again, he or she, they cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. And yes, there are many things in life then that we might well imagine we cannot live without. 
Some of you children, you might think that you need to do well on an exam. If you're to get ahead in life, you might believe that the all-important thing in life is to make friends, to be accepted by, by others. Perhaps others of you here, you think that what really matters in life is to have a good job, to find a spouse, to, to get a pay rise, to, to have a, a nice home or whatever else. If you're to feel truly happy and fulfilled in life, we can imagine a whole host of things are absolutely necessary to our well-being or future. But here Jesus is saying is one thing that we can safely conclude is absolutely necessary, which we simply cannot afford to live without. And you see, all of these other things, they may be good in themselves. They may be important in their place then. But you see, they are not all important. But the new birth is. And we might well ask then, well, why is the new birth? so vitally important? Why is it that we must be born again if we are ever to see or enter the kingdom of God? We see we must be born again for the very simple reason of what we are by nature. You see, by nature, we're all part of a race with a self-perpetuating problem, problem that Jesus identifies for us here in verse 6 of this chapter when He says to Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And you see, what Jesus was teaching Nicodemus here then was that whenever we are born of the flesh or of our natural parents, we don't just simply inherit our physical DNA from those same parents, but we also inherit our parents' spiritual nature a nature which is sinful, a nature which produces within our hearts a tendency to go astray from God. And we must be born again, therefore, Jesus is saying, because as we're reminded in Romans chapter 8 and verse 8, those who are in that state and condition, those who are in the flesh, they simply cannot please God. You see, the flesh can never rise above itself. It can never do anything but reproduce its own nature. And you see, those who remain in that same state and condition then, which they find themselves in by, by physical birth, they simply cannot please God. And that means then that if you are here this morning, if you are still unconverted, you are still in that state and condition of nature, then you need to take to heart. You simply haven't got what it takes by nature to please God, to gain admission into the kingdom of God. None of us do. And you see, that's what Nicodemus needed to learn. That's what all of us need to learn by nature. But our great problem is, as we read in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, that we are all dead in trespasses and sins by nature. We are spiritually dead. We lack spiritual life. And so having been born of the flesh and not of the Spirit, we find ourselves separated from God and from the life of God. And therefore we are totally unfit to, 
to be a part of his kingdom and for a life of fellowship and communion with him. And so what we need by nature, above all else then, it is life, divine life. We need a new life from God himself. You see, the only answer to spiritual death is spiritual life. That's why Jesus is saying here so emphatically that the new birth, it is an absolute must in order to see and enter God's kingdom. Because just as our natural birth, our physical birth, was the way in which we entered into the kingdom of this world, the natural realm, so Jesus is teaching us that the new birth is the only way into the kingdom of God, the realm of spiritual life. And that brings us then, secondly, to look at the meaning of the new birth or what it means to be born again. Because surely once we recognize the absolute must of the new birth, we ought to see that it is absolutely essential that we come to grips with what it means to be born again. You see, we we simply cannot afford to be wrong on this point. But before we look at what it means, however, I want to first note what the new birth is not, what it doesn't mean. Well, in the first place, Jesus is not speaking here about moral reformation or outward change or alteration of of life. He's not speaking here about a patching up of the old nature. And tragically, if we were to ask many people in Canada or North America today, even sadly some within the professing church, if we were to ask them what they think Jesus meant here by being born again, many would no doubt respond by saying they think it means nothing more that you must reform your life. You must simply seek to wipe the slate clean, turn over a new leaf, Start afresh to try to mend your ways and do the best you can with with what you have. You see, that's the way whereby many expect to see and enter the kingdom of God, to, to find acceptance with Him. And they are thinking then that that, that will somehow suffice. Just like the Englishman I read of many years ago who, who bought a farm, and there was a well on that farm, and he was told there was poison in it. And so he said, I will fix it. Do you know what he did? He went and painted the old water pump that brought water up from the well. And he was thinking somehow that that would be good enough to make the well all right. And you see, there are many who are just like that man. They've never grasped the fact that when it comes to their spiritual need, what they need is not merely outward renewal, a patching up of the old nature. What we need is, is something that can get to the very heart of the human problem, the problem of the human heart. The fact that our hearts, they are dead spiritually, by nature. And that is what, why Jesus says then, we must be born again. But note also in the second place, the new birth is not a matter of becoming religious either. You see, if that was all that was needed, then we could safely assume that Nicodemus, of all people, he would have no need whatever to have been born again. 
Remember, Nicodemus, he was a, a Pharisee, belonged to the most strictest religious group among the Jews. So he was absolutely set on keeping the law of Moses, upholding all of the various religious traditions of that group. And no doubt there were many who looked up to him given his position as a ruler of the Jews, as a teacher of Israel, as he's described here. No doubt he did perform many good works and he made a valuable contribution to life in his community. And yet Jesus is teaching him here that these things, as, as good as they may be in and of themselves, they are not enough to enter the kingdom of God. You see, it doesn't matter what others may think of us. It doesn't matter how religious a person may be. A person can go to church all of their life. They can be baptized. They can go through catechism class, confession of faith, take communion even. But you see, that does not, that will not, that cannot get us into the kingdom of God. Because morality and religion, they simply aren't enough. That is why Jesus says here, we must be born again. And all of these things, they can never be enough then. Because the, all that our natural birth has given to us, it is of the flesh. And that which is of the flesh, Jesus says, it is utterly useless and powerless, however good it may appear to others, to bring anyone into the kingdom of God. And that's what we are taught so clearly. You remember in the opening chapter of, of John's gospel, the 13th verse, that's what Jesus is so keen for Nicodemus to understand here, that no one is born into the family of God because of their family connections. Whereas we're told in that same chapter, it's not of blood that a person becomes a, a member of God's family and a citizen of His kingdom. Nor are they born into the family of God by means of the religious acts that they do. What John refers to there also as the will of the flesh. Nor is a person born into the family of God on the basis of the good works that others may do for them either. Because as John says, it's not of the will of man, but of God. Well, friends, we've said something about what the new birth isn't then. But that still leaves the question of what it is to be answered. And we've been hinting at what it is by what we have already said. I want to try to spell out exactly what it is that we are talking about here. And very simply put, the new birth is a new creation of God Himself. It is an act of God whereby He imparts spiritual life to the soul. That is what it means to be born again. It is to be reborn, spiritually speaking, from above by receiving the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus. What Paul calls the renewing of the Holy Spirit in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. And so what Jesus is teaching Nicodemus here then is that the new birth, it's something that must come from outside of ourselves. It's something that must come from God Himself. And you see, what we need by nature then is not a new religious life. It's not the reformation of the old life. 
It's the formation of an entirely new line. We need a miracle that can only be performed by God Himself. See, just as no man is the author of his own natural birth, in like manner Jesus is teaching us here, no man is the author of their own spiritual birth from above either. You know, don't you, that whenever you were born for the first time physically, you received your, your, from your parents their nature, a human nature, But when a man or a woman, a a boy or a girl or a young person is born again, they receive a new nature, a spiritual nature from God because they are made partakers of the divine nature, as Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. And that is what has taken place in the lives of many of you here. You have received a divine nature from God Himself. But my dear friend, if you are still here today, and this nature is, is not dwelling within you, then you need to understand, take to heart, that you have never been born again. And perhaps I am speaking to someone here today. You may be sitting in the pew. You may be listening intently to what I am saying. You may be sincere, very sincere even in your devotion to this church. You may go through all of the motions of religious observances and worship just like this man Nicodemus did. Your name may even be on the church roll. But friend, if you have not been made a partaker of the divine nature and the life of God's Spirit in Christ, then you have never been born again. And so the thing you need above all else in life, it is that you would be born again. Well, friends, we've looked at the must of the new birth, the meaning of the new birth then. But let us now consider in the last place the manner of the new birth, the way in which we come to experience the new birth. And we've already mentioned that the new birth is a work of God Himself, whereby divine life is brought into our souls. But the question remains as to how this comes about in the experience of any individual. And that's the very question that Nicodemus was asking here. You see, in spite of all his learning and knowledge of the Bible, he didn't get what Jesus was talking about. And so twice we, we see him here asking, well, well, how can these things be? How is this possible? Perhaps you're asking the same question. You say, well, I see that Jesus makes it clear that I must be born again. Yes, I see that it's something I, I cannot bring about by my own efforts. Maybe you're asking, well, where does that leave me then? How am I ever to experience the new birth? Well, Jesus answers that question for Nicodemus. He says that, yes, we must be born from above by a mighty work of God Himself. But that same God brings this great change about through the work of the Spirit, working by and with the Word of God. That's why Jesus says in verse 5 that unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
You see, the water that is spoken of here, it's a reference to the written Word of God. That's why Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23 says, we have been born again, but how? Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. And you see, when that same Word then is met with the mighty work of God's Spirit in the experience of any individual, life will arise in their soul. This life, for what Jesus is saying here is that this miracle of the new birth, it takes place when the Spirit of God comes and applies the Word of God to the mind and to the heart of a sinner in such a way that is mixed with faith in their experience. Because you see, where that takes place, they will be brought by that same Spirit by means of the written Word to the one who is the living Word, the one who could say when he was here on earth, that He was the true bread which had come down from heaven, that He might give life to the world so that whoever will believe in Him, as we read in verse 16 of this chapter, they should not perish but have everlasting life. For as John also says in John chapter 1 and verse 12 of that chapter, chapter 1, As many as received Him, that is Jesus, to them God gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in His name. And you see, that's what Nicodemus needed to understand here then. It wasn't enough for him to see Jesus as merely a teacher come from God and that God was with him, as he says in verse 1. What he needed was to to have his eyes opened by the Spirit of the living God whose work it is to take of the things of Christ and show them to us in order that he might see by faith that the very one who was before him was none other than the Word made flesh, that the Lord Jesus was God incarnate, the only begotten Son sent by the Father into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And you see, that is what all of us by nature need to be brought to see. That this life that we need, that it is, that is imparted to us in the new birth, it is only to be found in God's Son. That's why John says in the fifth chapter of his first epistle in verse 12 of that chapter, He who has the Son has life, but he who does not have the Son does not have life. And that is what many of us here by God's grace have been brought to see and understand. But again, friend, if, if you are here and you're still outside of Christ, you're, you're still in a state of, of nature, then that is what you still need to come and, and see and, and understand. Just like this man, Nicodemus, that there is no life outside of Christ and that you will never come to know and experience the new birth unless or until you do come to Him, unless you are brought by the Spirit of God to see and receive Him, as we have already said. For it is to those who receive Him through the work of God's Spirit, He gives the right 
to become the children of God. And friends, Christ is before all things then. He's before the new birth spoken of here. For he is the door through which if a man enters, he will be saved. For he will enter into life through the entrance of the one who is the way, the truth, and the life into him. And it is only then that he will see for the first time the kingdom of God. And Jesus was saying here to Nicodemus, he said to Nicodemus, you ought to have known these things. For just as the bronze serpent was lifted up by Moses in the wilderness so that physical life might be restored to those who looked to it, that they might live and not die. So Jesus is saying here, the Son of Man must be lifted up so that spiritual life might be restored to all those who are brought to believe in Him, those who come to Him by the Word of the Holy Spirit, so that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And if you're here then this morning and you know in your heart you've never been born again, then my dear friend, will you not come to Christ that you might have this life? Will you not cry out to Him to send His Spirit to draw you to Himself? For He is the door of the sheep. He's the door into the kingdom of God. The only way back to the Father and a life of fellowship and communion with Him. Reminds me of a medical missionary who was leaving by ship for a foreign field back in the 19th century, and the aged Andrew Boner, well-known and much-loved pastor in Scotland at the time, he, he came to the pier to bid farewell to his friend, this missionary. And he discovered that the doctor was to be accompanied by his sister. Turning to her, he said, My dear, I don't believe I've ever had the privilege of making your acquaintance. I'm pleased that you're going as your brother's assistant, and I'd like to remember you in my prayers. And so he asked her, What is your first name? And she replied that it was Christine. And Boner said to her, he said, I like that, for you have Christ in your name. I trust that you also have him in your heart. And the woman looked away and was silent for a moment. But before she could think of an answer, the last call to board the ocean liner it was given. So her and her brother, they hurried to board it. But she was convicted by Boner's words. She began to think about her relationship to the Lord. Although she went to church regularly, she suddenly realized she, she wasn't truly saved. She'd never actually experienced the new birth and become a new creature in Christ. And so that night she knelt and asked the Savior to pardon her, her, her sins, to, to make her his child. And much later, an article appeared in the publication at that time, Moody Monthly, relating this incident. And it concluded by saying that her years of consistent living and faithful servant service, they showed the reality of her conversion, that she had been born again, that the Lord Jesus had heard her and answered her prayer. Well, friends, just as that young woman was brought to see her need of being in Christ, having Christ in her heart, 
as the hope of glory. So this is the great need we, we all have by nature. And many of us here, we've, we've come to see our need of Jesus Christ through the convicting work of God's Spirit. We have experienced the new birth whereby the life of Christ Himself has come to dwell within us. How thankful we, we can and ought to be for, for that great miracle. But if after hearing of these things, you are convicted that this is still not true of you, then will you not go to Jesus? Will you not ask Him to pardon your sins, to make you His child, just as that woman did, so that you too might be born again to endless life in Zion? For unless we are born again, we cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we thank you for the gift of life in your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have worked in many of our hearts here to open our eyes to see our lost condition by nature, that outside of Christ there is no life, for it is only He who has the Son who has life, that He who does not of the Son has no life. And we do pray, Lord, that all of us who have come to experience this amazing miracle of the work of Your Spirit in our hearts in bringing Your life into our into our souls and making us partakers of the divine nature, that we would marvel at your grace and your love to us. We would see how amazing a wonder it is to have been born from above, to have seen and entered the kingdom of God, and to have the glorious prospect before us of a life that will never end in and through Jesus Christ by your Spirit. And we do pray then that you would help all of us who are in Christ, to live out of that life, to know and experience more and more of the depths of its fullness until grace will give way to glory and we will experience all of its glorious fullness and blessedness in the new heavens and the new earth. And we do pray for those, Lord, who may be here this morning, and yet when they hear of these things, they recognize that they are a stranger to the realities of which we have been speaking. We do pray, Lord, that they would see there is life for all those who will but look to Jesus Christ. And we do pray, work in their hearts then by your Spirit to lead them to Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, that through the work of your Spirit, with your Word, their eyes would be open. They would be made partakers of life divine. They would be shut into Christ. They've been able to go on their way rejoicing for the mighty workings of your grace in their own lives also. And we do pray, Lord, that you would remember our brother Louis Vischer, also his wife Ina, as they look forward and anticipate celebrating another birthday together, God willing, this coming Saturday. We thank you for the work of your grace, your love in their hearts and lives, and how you have been with them over so many years. You have shown yourself faithful to them. 
You have provided for them and met them in their needs physically as well as spiritually. And we do pray that you would continue to bless them both. And Louis, we pray that you would help him to look back on his life, to lift up his voice in praise to you for all of your goodness and mercy to him, and help them both and all of us to live thankful hearts for all that you are in yourself, all that you are to us in Jesus Christ. And please be with us in this day. Keep our hearts and minds stayed upon you. Bring us out again this afternoon. We pray to come around your word, speak to us through it, apply it as only you can. And so hear us now, we ask, for we pray it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.